0: so we're recording in a weird schedule (laughs) and it is 100% my fault but
1: it's good for me i mean so the bad news is that probably listeners will listen to this at least one day late um probably yeah uh the good news is that hey it's not midnight for me and i'm actually have some more energy yay and it's a beautiful (laughs) day and yay and we had more time to think about our topics yep so you know win some lose some
0: so basically what happened is i was supposed to go to toronto for work um, which I did go to Toronto, um, uh, but I was only supposed to go to, for two days and I like arranged my whole schedule around like being back here on time, uh, for a recording on uh Tuesday. And then <laughs> as soon as I booked my flight, I got a message that was like, Hey, you're coming to that meeting on Wednesday. Right. And I was like, Whoa, what meeting on Wednesday? <laughs> they're like, yeah, like the big, important stakeholder meeting. And I was like, what? I was like, no, <laughs> like I've, I have no meeting on, on Wednesday. Oh, I totally forgot to invite you. <laughs> oh no. But you're going to be there, right? I was like, damn it. So had to uh, actually call, we have, we use this service called agencia. Um, that's kind of like a booking service for flights and stuff like that. So I actually had mm. to call them and be like, Hey, like I'm, Fancy important business person, can you change my flights and my uh, my hotels because <laughs> I need to stay for an extra day?
1: Just like that? Damn, that's a good service.
0: Yeah, that was actually a pretty good service. Like you call the number and someone picks up right away, <laughs> Just like that. Wow, that's that's sweet corporate service. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> but um, but anyways, so that meant that I had to record in Toronto. And I was like, "Oh, this is fine. I'll just record from the hotel. I'll bring my mic and all that stuff. I'll be good." Except I totally forgot about this when I was packing. Um, so I got to Toronto. I had no mic, uh, and then I had to basically ask around, like, "Hey, does anyone have a mic in Toronto?" And then like some of my IT people were like, "Oh, yeah, I think we have like a be- blue Yeti mic." like perfect i'll come pick it up at four um and then when i got there it was like hey actually i had to leave early but the mic's in this corner of the office i got it but then it had no cable and such a weird mic where it's not like a standard um, micro usb or like one of these like usb mics it's kind of like i I forget what kind of plug it is exactly but it it kind of looked like an ethernet port (laughs) or something it was like very strange
1: and the mic itself it looked like a like a like a webcam yeah yeah
0: yeah it's the um how do you call it the yeti blue ball or something (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeti's blue ball (laughs) oh my god <laughs>
1: uh, shout out to blue yeti's uh marketing team <laughs>
0: <laughs> i feel like that would make sense though oh my Unless god they, they, <laughs> blue yeti blue ball um they they can take that <laughs> just run with it uh <laughs> Um, so anyways, um, so it was very last minute, and we had to cancel because I couldn't find the cable, so I apologize to you and I apologize to the audience,
1: yeah, man, that's all right so uh you know the, today for for some of us uh it's a holiday or something uh so I just took a day off, and I'm glad I did, and so it, it's all good, it's all good uh thanks for trying uh you know for try- <laughs> trying to make this happen, and just you know stuff happened
0: what made it worse is I tried so hard. Like so many things <laughs> happened, and I was like, "No, I can, we can still do this. We can still record." I like put this entire <laughs> plan together, and then at, at the last minute, it just all blew blew up in my face. So that is yeah. quite all right.
1: Uh, for uh r- our listeners, rejoice! I don't think we have follow up this week. Actually, I don't think so. So some people on Twitter agreed with our agreed with one of us uh, on the <laughs> staples. Uh, logo redesign and veal. Uh, some, uh, you know, it's it's fine. It's okay. Some agreed, some disagreed, as the internet does. Oh
0: yeah, and for the record, way more people disagreed with me than people agreed with me. So, um,
1: no, I still don't know. I always just assume that most people agree with you, uh, and that's okay. at nah, peace with that. Nah, that's not true. <laughs> okay, so we can just jump straight into our, our main topic. So today is definitely more. Uh, regular style uh, episodes so we we do have a main topic and then we do have some some uh, side dishes uh, that I'm really really uh looking forward to talk about like Figma's new UI but in the meantime uh we do have a main topic and it's something uh I brought up uh, a couple of days ago to you Kevin so we just hopefully you had some time to think about It's something that I've been thinking about uh because uh the other day uh I was uh hanging out with my friend Ryan McLeod. Uh, he was also a previous guest on the show, so yep, he's friend the of the show, Black Box. Yeah, t- totally friend of the show, guest of the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're gonna put links in the show notes for for Ryan's episode here on layout. Uh, we talked about uh, Black Box and being an indie developer, and also he won a Apple Design Award. Uh, weird flex, actually it's not weird, it's the best flex. Uh, but anyway, so I was hanging out with him, and he was. I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Let's say he, that he was playing with an alternative way of showing a native control on iOS. I, that's all I can say, I think. Um, I haven't well, asked,
0: he's actually. been tweeting about it.
1: Yeah, so maybe it's totally fine. Okay, yeah, sure. So
0: it's the, so sharing... you know the sh- yeah.
1: Exactly. The share sheet on iOS, yeah. once you do share, and then I have the top row with apps and bottom row with actions. Yeah. Um, that whole ui component that whole ui thing it's kind of weird because it's it's like a floaty card like uh, you see in other places on ios but also it has a button to dismiss it's, it's very it's kind of weird so he he's playing with like a completely different way to show that and honestly in my opinion it's it's i think it's a way better implementation <laughs> for sure and so as i was seeing him doing all that stuff uh and uh, because I saw this tweet flying around, uh, tweet from Mike Rundle, uh, in where I'm gonna quote him. He said, "Our choice and um, our choice, the app our choice, and Twitter for iPad were the peak and the peak and the end of the iPad interface design innovation. And it came out more than 80 years ago. Since then, designers have been so preoccupied with flat design, new prototyping tools, and design systems that we forgot how to innovate. Pretty sad." Uh, and you can see Twitter for iPad, you know, from Lauren Brichter and you know, our choice from Mike Mattis and company. Um, I don't, by the way, I don't, I don't want to talk about this tweet in general. Uh, I don't agree with like eighty percent of <laughs> what he said. Uh, I don't think innovation is sad, or I mean, innovation is dead, and we forgot how to innovate and all that. But I can, um, I can relate to the feeling that like some of the UI design it is mainly focused on UI. Um, some of the UI design nowadays. It doesn't feel as innovative and original and crazy as it were back then. there's a lot of reasons for this I think um just because you know the platforms are more mature. we've experimented we find out what works and what doesn't and so we're this happens everywhere and I think we talked about this at length before actually um but my my thing for this episode is I want to talk about how doing investing in in coming up with innovative u i um Innovative. I'm not trying to say that like just being new and different for the sake of being different. Like I can try to come up with something that is different, um, but but really investing in trying to look for some interesting new UIs that work well and like are, are you know are original and push the whole UI forward. Um, uh, I think nowadays it's really hard to invest in this. And when I was seeing Ryan um, spending so much time on this stuff, like. I couldn't spend this time, this this time, like at Netlify, trying to look for something crazy, innovative UI, because it just it's not a viable business. It's not it's not worth the money for most of the time, because you can just pick something that you know it works and just move forward and address other you know other problems uh, in your product in your company. And so even back then, I think it was still true back then you didn't see like big companies trying to come up with very innovative ui and the examples that they uh that mike uh, chooses here like it's coming from independent creatives and, and developers and stuff so a lot of this innovation that in when i try to think about crazy original you know groundbreaking uis back in the day back you know early days of iphone and ipad it were all coming from lauren brichter who for the most uh, was acting independently he was doing his own things with Tweety uh, it was coming from Mike Mattes and stuff like still small companies some small teams and I think that is probably still true today but today those small independent creatives are becoming very rare and they are becoming extinct extinct you don't see like today is really hard to make a living with just one app on the app store and like live comfortably and also don't feel the pressure to you know succumb to the to dark patterns and uh, placing ads and if at the end of the day they try to pay their rent right <laughs> pay their bills so i'm wondering if we are getting eliminating this innovation uh in software um just because we can't afford it which is crazy right um and it's also very much in line with you know just talked about sketch going you know taking vc money and stuff like Today, the com- competition is so fierce. You have to have millions of dollars backed in your company, imported. And and you have to grow your team and whatever, whatever. And so, mm-hmm. I think we are losing some of this. What do you think? Do you think this is crazy talk, and I'm just being old man, yells at cloud, or <laughs> what's up?
0: Uh, no, I think you're you're for sure right. Like these interfaces were totally innovative, and in a lot of respects, like just looking at the Tweety interface again, it's just like. This is still holds up as one of the best interface for the iPad. Um, and the thing that's kind of crazy is like this didn't really catch on in a way. Do you know what I mean? Like this crazy, cool, interesting way of doing it, like this interface kind of allowed multitasking like within a single app. And was this more sort of gestural interface. Um that's never happened to the iPad, really. Like, we haven't seen that revolution uh, Yeah, even down.
1: today we are talking about rumors of uh, windows or some, some f- sort of, like, window tiling on iOS 13 and iPad and stuff. Uh, this is a pattern that we could... I can see that it's very expensive. It could be very expensive uh, from performance. Um, but I can see this being a thing that it could still work today, right? Some kind of multitasking like this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look, the um the hardware that runs the the iPad is 10 times more powerful than right. the the hardware that ran this thing. Um so I I really don't think that it's a um computing power issue. <laughs> like these iPads are plenty fast for anything that you'd want to run on them. Um so I do think that's interesting that it's kind of we've lost not only like we have seen fewer kind of UI uh, innovation, but we also haven't seen existing innovations trickle down into like iOS generally, mm. um, or like name your platform like it could be Android, it could be whatever. Um, so I think that's interesting. Um, I also feel that um, at that point in time, I feel like like UI interestingness. <laughs> <laughs> In a sense, was part of the selling point, for you how think people so? use See,
1: this. Ah, that's interesting. I I'm not sure about that. If it w- if it ever was, of course it was for for us for you know me and you that we we we, we appreciate these things. But I wonder if at any point having an interesting UI would be a, was a selling point, right? Like you would choose between two apps that had the same functionality, but one had a more interesting UI than the other. Was that ever a selling point? You know, and take take take. uh Let's put aside the fact, like, yeah, sure, some apps. Remember the iPhone app that used the accelerometer, so it looked like you were like drinking a beer or whatever, yep. or or those things. I was about things, to reference which, that example. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun, and you you would sure sure you would buy that app just for like the just to you know just to be cool with your friends. But so take that all that aside. Do you think it it, it ever was a competitive advantage from a business perspective?
0: I do think, in a way, yes. But I think there's a lot of context that comes around that. Um, so because the devices were really new, like those kind of shiny interactions, kind of felt more magical because it was like, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy! Like, this, I can't believe this thing can do this." Like, how many people have downloaded the the beer app and just showed other people? It was like completely useless. Like, it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just part of exploring what can you do with a device like this? Um, And I think the second factor that really helped things is that the app store was really limited. (laughs) Like you could realistically, you know, like see literally every app (laughs) that was on the app store (laughs) back then. Um, And I think that made it so that like, obviously, like some some people like underscore David Smith like talk about the kind of gold rush of the app store um mm-hmm. where i think the people who were able to like put out a good product on that app store at that right moment would actually get a lot of traffic and it's also a point in time where people would pay for apps <laughs> like the market was very very different and so i think as a result um people value different things also um like it, it skewed a lot more towards a um you know the like tech-savvy audience that would be the early adopters that would get like one of that first iPad obviously it's not everyone like i'm sh- mm-hmm. like i'm sure there's people from all age brackets and all uh types of like familiarity with technology that got it for sure uh but i do think that it skewed ha- more heavily towards that whereas fast, yeah, for for- sure. fast forward to today we all know how touch screens work for the most part. Um and like now even if like for us like it, it's special that, that the way that um Tweety had like sliding panels and stuff like that to most people it kind of isn't. They're just like um eh. like whatever. Um Yeah. And I I just think that as we've gotten like more people onto these platforms it's just become like people use it for it, like okay i'm like thinking about this in real time like where i feel like maybe in the past it was a little bit more round kind of entertainment and about the novelty of look at this like cool interesting technology that now it's actually part of all of our lives and so right. what most people like the reason why most people buy like an ipad or a phone isn't necessarily because it's like oh this is like cool technology even though we do right? Um, right, but most people are like, I just want to read the newspaper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even
1: the phone itself, right? When iPhone was announced, it was like, holy what! You can swipe with your finger. Yeah,
0: and you just MIDI be like, finger? look at the scrolling and the rubber banding, and be like, whoa. Yeah. Um, and now it just it just become normal, normal. Like it's just what people are used to. Um, so I do think those are the factors um, in kind of like the consumer market that made these kinds of interactions or like sweating the details less um kind of like maybe less important to people or i guess it's not less important to people like us like i think the people who cared still care <laughs> um but there's just like way many many more other people now <laughs> that use these platforms so on the whole there's less of a uh, pressure to have these like innovative interfaces i think on the other side you've never seen the big giant companies have innovative interfaces <laughs> like that this is not where it starts typically right no yeah um and I, you know, I think i said that, these, right? that you yeah need these
1: creatives yeah these and these
0: innovative um things come from these like passionate individuals that really care even though nobody (laughs) nobody else will uh about the way something scrolls or the way the interaction pattern works um and so in a sense like it's kind of like akin to having someone like be a bit more like an artist you know that they they are self-driven by a thing and they will do it and you can Care about it or not, but they do, and that's why they're gonna do it. Um, and but so, just like an
1: artist, it's really hard to make a living. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think it was more possible back then to make exactly. a living out of this than it is today, uh, because so there's so much competition right now, and just the drive to the bottom with with pricing, like all apps kind of yeah. need to be free these days. Um,
1: like if if Lauren and and you know if Lauren Brinker were to make Tweety or something parallel, something similar today, I don't think it would succeed. It wouldn't be able to do that. And most definitely not do something like Letterpress to came without injecting a bunch of ads or some doing something silly. That, that he wouldn't be able yeah. to do that. So if we wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have classic example, but uh, pull to refresh and wouldn't have little things, it wouldn't have tweet. Like I think people uh, people underestimate the impact of Tweety like the impact of that little app. Oh yeah, had. big time. Um, yeah, and, and uh, I, I was thinking, I was trying to think, think, where did I see these? Like me getting in awe with you know something similar like when I what I, when I saw the beer app last time. Like what is today's beer app? Uh, <laughs> and I think I last time I can remember is probably in VR. Uh, it's something similar in VR, and that's where I get all those like little surprises in the lights like i remember i was playing a london heist on psvr mm-hmm. um and at some point you you can hold a cigar and then you can also light it because there's a light. Yeah. cool and then if you actually make the motion like make the movement in the sound as you were you know uh, smoking the cigar you can actually like see the smoke coming out of your mouth when it you like blow and something like that I can me as a nerd. I can understand like what are, they're doing. They're probably like looking for a specific wavelength or pitch of to like identify wind being blown or whatever. Uh, so sure, I can understand what's going on, but still it was delightful. it Was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where we can find these. Um, and also on iOS, it's probably. I don't want to. Maybe I sound biased, but it's black box. It, I think that's the last time. Like an iOS, I'm like. Oh, that's so smart. Yes, I couldn't think of that. Uh, I don't want to spoil the game, but you should totally uh, download Ryan's game and play it. Um, and, and let's be honest. like Yes, like you said, we need these creatives, these independent uh, folks. That's where innovation comes from, not the big companies. We can't just wait for Apple or Microsoft or whatever or Google to come up with crazy innovative UIs. Uh, we have to rely on these small independent creators, but these small independent creators... In today's market, they can't afford to just focus their time on this. Okay, and so hence I me think, asking yeah. if we're losing this.
0: I think there are silver linings in this. Number one is there are other platforms that are kind of just come in their coming of age period, where a lot of the stuff hasn't been figured out. You named VR; that is totally an area where mm-hmm. these delightful interfaces and these like different ideas are happening right now um it's just that we're less maybe less exposed to it um and it's kind of the pre in a sense like the pre-iphone days i think for a lot of Hmm. vr and ar stuff where it's there are products out there like you can get the playstation whatever um but it's in a sense for me it's like kind of more of a demo still yeah it's not a mainstream yeah weird. and for me like it's totally fine if like that ends up being just a technology that we're like hey this is a thing that's good for video games um but personally i like to think that it can be more than that and this is what gets me excited like i'm just not really like a games person <laughs> um <laughs> so i think like that moment will happen you can
1: tell by the way you say it, i'm not a games person. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so. I'm sure that that will happen, and this will become a lot more obvious. And I think a lot more of us will probably try to make that switch, even though it'll probably mm-hmm. be a hard switch, like way harder than from designing like websites to iOS applications. Like I think the mm-hmm. learning curve from going t- from 2D to 3D work is going to be a big mm-hmm. jump for most people, uh, myself included. <laughs> um, so um, that's one aspect. A second aspect is. Um, that basically like right now, um, we're kind of in a, kind of in this middle phase where, um, like a lot of the, the applications that people have are like these services and these things like that, uh, that are like the Ubers, the Lyfts, the Spotify's the, you know, name it. Um, and I think potentially like one positive effect of that is once all these these services are commoditized and that there's more sort of more competition then like for example like between Lyft and Uber there's effectively no difference in the service right cuz most of the cars do both <laughs> um so how how does then Lyft compete with Uber like well one of the interesting vectors is if they can come up with a better more interesting UI that people like using more so I do think that there's a chance that in the coming years with these kind of like comp- competing services, like, yeah, com- competition is always better, um, <laughs> that it will push these companies into trying bolder, more different things. Obviously, like the one kind of caveat to this is I also think there's a big force right now that's trying to create the- those monopolies. Um which, like, if we get to that state, then it's like death for for everything, <laughs> basically. Because <laughs> if you have a monopoly, then you don't need to do anything. You can raise your prices. You can have terrible experience, and who cares? Because you're on the, the only game in town. So I think we should all <laughs> support more competition. Uh, it's just going to be good for us and good for consumers generally. Um, but I do think not all hope is lost. Hopefully, um, I'd say maybe like a, the last other silver lining in this um is something that apple's showing some signs that it wants to do with apple Apple arcade is actually changing some of the economics behind the app store uh and funding itself like actual games uh and i do think that in some ways like they will be able to create new game experiences that haven't been done because it it, in a way like it kind of takes money out of the equation. Mm-hmm. for those creators and honestly like i i think they for the first batch like at least they're working with fairly large creators but um that it could enable like this the one or two person shop to make something that's just really really cool and that they would never be able to really monetize on their own um again this is for games uh hopefully this also right. comes to apps like i honestly i feel, sign up for an arcade for for apps uh, pretty pretty fast. Like I'd, I'd be really interested in that. Um, so, who knows what the future is going to be. As an lead, investment,
1: but... it's, it doesn't make as much sense because, like, what you want if you are investing on new innovative apps. Of course, you, you expect a return of your investment, hopefully. <laughs> uh, and I don't see that happening. Yeah, like, that's what I got. You know, I don't. Yeah, but
0: <sighs> Apple has money Maybe... to burn, though. <laughs>
1: But what did they get from it? You know, just, just, uh, just uh, street cred for being the platform where innovation happens. I mean, sure, maybe, maybe. But
0: well, yeah. Like, do we want to keep the iPhone relevant? Um, I also feel like they kind of need to like spend money to generate more growth, even though it's never gonna be iPhone level. That it's it's mm-hmm. it's gotten to a point where it's not about the absolute amount of money. It's the increase of money. <laughs> and i feel like the way that they see it is like even if we have to spend a lot of money to generate maybe like even just make it back <laughs> that it's like it's still positive for wall street i don't know mm-hmm. i'm no uh no analyst on any of these things but um i feel like a little bit of that is happening
1: i think it's an interesting uh thought experiment and something we should think about i think uh and hey, maybe this is just a mature old platform, innovation is dying as it does it's that's a natural life cycle and so if you're looking for new industries where innovation is uh you know uh lit up uh maybe go maybe look into v r and a r or whatever um that is also just a possible you know <laughs> truth so who knows
0: yeah, one thing that I do find too is um that could potentially explain this uh, kind of regression in terms of innovation is the fact that there's so many more devices now that we need to design for and, like, adaptive layouts and even with Marzipan, it's, like, same app Mm -hmm. from phone to Mac, which makes it incredibly hard to make something like, for example, Tweety, which is, like, this entirely custom, like, card-based system like that mm-hmm. would totally break. Like if you try to run this on an iPhone, or that would totally break if you try to run this on a Mac. And True. Tweety did have a an iOS app, but that was a completely separate app. <laughs> you know, know what I yeah. mean? Like it's just, I'm sure that it didn't share like that much code, relatively speaking. It like,
1: wasn't yeah, universal apps. I don't think were a thing. Yeah, and
0: um, and so I think thing. that's another factor that just kind of like makes it a little bit harder. And to me, it kind of pushes the need for innovation at like a higher level where I think the OS actually needs to step up a little bit and enable some of these things. Uh, And frankly, like we haven't seen a ton of innovation on iOS either. uh, Really? Like it's the, the same patterns have been applied. Uh, The coat of paint has changed, but in terms of interactions, like I'd say the biggest one is probably like having the kind of bottom card thing metaphor in, um, Uh in maps. Uh, but like that was years ago, you know, and it was just kind of fairly small in the grand scheme of things.
1: And it came from Apple. Yeah, obviously. I mean, like, I mean, probably originally but, there but was some other app that there's did it.
0: There's another thing that's interesting here, where it's like they came up with this design, but there's no, they didn't provide any tools for other mm-hmm. people to develop that. And obviously, people have built their own since. And like, there's, I'm sure there's like a bunch of repos that you can clone and stuff like that that have this. But it just makes that the this particular interaction is going to be super flaky. Whenever a- Apple like runs an update, like you run the risk of a weird bug happening, and are like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Um, so and also, I don't know. even
1: you mentioned the card UI uh, thing, which I think it's it's pretty cool. Uh, but even Apple wasn't very successful at uh porting that over or scaling that to the iPad like the music app on the iPad is a joke i think <laughs> cuz it's like the play now screen is just oh make the card float on the side which it looks like, exactly like an iphone right but, so even apple didn't really you know wasn't that successful at scaling that up and that is an interesting point which i think also you know just is very much in line with what i said originally in where like you said, like sure, maybe coming up with something crazy uh, that still has to run in every single device at every single uh, screen size, you know, that it it doesn't make things easier (laughs) and easier. So, uh, so you could just make an iPad app. So no universal apps, but then that's not a good for your business. And so it's not a good investment. So you can't really sustain that. So it it all, it all goes in line with, it's not a good business to try to be innovative. (laughs) Um, Wah, wah. okay anyway uh we should probably move on we're starting yeah. going in
0: circles do you want to tell um, us about our sponsor
1: i certainly do this week's episode is once again abstract uh abstract I, it's one of those tools that i use every single day at work and it's just part of my uh, ut- uh my tool belt is that what you call it <laughs> utility belt You
0: have your designer tool belt.
1: Designer tool (laughs) belt. And, you know, regardless of them sponsoring this show or not. uh, But so if you do not know what Abstract is, well, let me tell you about it. Abstract is uh, design workflow management for product design teams uh, using Sketch. So today, uh, you know, all the the workflows and tools available, um, available to growing design teams are still largely behind the times. You know, if you compare what we have, you know for designers, if you compare that with what developers have, I think their tools and their workflow is way more mature and like you know solid uh, so after is trying to, to change that. Um, we spend a frustrating amount of time searching for files and exporting them from one tool and we import into another tools uh, and maybe we have like prototyping stuff with sketch it's still a mess so consolidating, feedback from multiple sources uh, and never really knowing what changes have been incorporated and approved and it's kind of a mess so abstract is your team's source of truth kind of like github but for designers it brings all of your design workflow into a single unified place for designers developers and stakeholders to collaborate and keep work moving forward With Abstract, you can version design files, present work, you can request reviews, you can collect feedback, and you can give developers direct access to all the specs, uh, all from one place. So, you know, if your developers don't have a copy of Sketch installed in their machine, they can still uh, see all the little changes. You can still get all the specs from your Sketch file. Pretty cool. Um, In just two years, uh, Abstract already uh, has now over 100,000 users. And it's used by companies like uh, Intuit, uh, Zappos, MailChimp, Shopify, and uh, Netlify. It's not on the script, but it should. (laughs) And thousands of others. Uh, I personally can't imagine uh, how we would manage uh, our design system without abstract. So if you are interested, you can uh, sign your team up for a free 30-day trial by heading over to goabstract.com. Actually, this script is out of date. You can just go to abstract.com. That's a pretty cool domain name. Uh, and if you tweet at GoAbstract in Layout FM, if you mention both of us uh, in that tweet, uh, you will be entered uh, for a chance to win $500 credit um, to their business plan. Um, so once again, ju- you just go to abstract.com and or tweet at GoAbstract uh, and Layout uh, and try to win $500 credit. Uh, our thanks to Abstract for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. Boom. Boom. Damn, it's so hot in here, man. I don't think Amsterdam <laughs> is ready for the summer. I personally, I'm getting a bit... Do you have AC? No. Oh. That's the thing. Like, it's it's on a cold spectrum of things, you know? <laughs> so, just like in Portugal, there's no heating, central mm. heating, or even AC, because it's usually, like... <laughs> it's whatever. just
0: nice all the time.
1: Just nice. Um, in Amsterdam, like, we, we all have central heating, because it gets cold. Um, But then we don't have AC because we're not we. Like, hmm. Well, I guess we. Anyway, so it's going to be interesting. And I don't yeah. want to open the window because uh, it gets a loud. So I'm just, it's a song. Should you
0: like, like us? Welcome to America. Have heating and AC
1: <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> America. 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 All right. Side dishes, Kevin. Side dishes. <laughs> Uh, we teased at um, at the end of the last week's episode that we're probably going to need to talk about this. I have thoughts. Um, and of course, I'm talking about Figma's new UI. So let me just set up context here. Um, we both like Figma. We both use Figma here and there. Um, we both have our pickles with Figma. And one of the recurring things that we keep bringing back is like, you know what? I'm not the biggest fan of Figma's UI, the actual tool's UI, um, and so when I heard that Figma pushed a new update and they redesigned their UI, I was like, yes, yeah. this, the UI was one of the things that I really restricted. Yeah, I had the address. same
0: thing. They had an article, I think, right, where they were like, yeah. okay, everyone, like, there's been this big thing that we've been working on for a while, this is like finally happening, this is the Figma UI refresh. and." I got really excited when I saw that. I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, finally. Like they're going to make, like, get rid of all this nonsense and this, like, like, crazy, strange UI. Get rid of that hamburger button. All that stuff that we don't like about Figma. And so, but then the blog post was just like, yeah, so we did it. <laughs> this is great. I was like, go view Figma. <laughs> uh, and then you actually had to open the app. And then mm. I I forget if the app had an update or something or whatever, but... Maybe it did. Then I loaded yeah. I loaded the app and I was like, really? <laughs> that was my reaction.
1: Hmm.
0: How did you okay, feel about it's,
1: it? It's a good reaction. So my reaction was very similar. What? Similar? What? It was very similar. Uh, I opened up and I was like, underwhelmed. Like, oh, I mean... Okay. It It is a design, you know, it is a redesign because... I think most things are different, but also the difference is very small, <laughs> you know. So, um, so it, you know, if I couldn't tell immediately that everything was different. But anyway, um, so after that initial reaction, I tried to look really into it. And um, I have to be careful about this. Um, like they were in a place and they could go any direction with like their UI. They could take it anywhere, right? Um, let's just say that the direction that they decided to go in is like the opposite direction that I wish they went for. (laughs) Um, And it's very much like a theme with my design preferences and priorities. And maybe just because I'm, again, old. I think I'm getting very old. Like, (laughs) I'm getting older faster than I thought I would. You're getting smarter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Cool. Um, (laughs) So uh, all of this... I just wanted to say this first because it's not like, I don't want to say that it's bad. I want to say that it's a direction that I personally don't care about and I wish they didn't take. Um, so let's start with something cool, actually. It's something good, I think. They changed their their um, their typeface to use uh, Rasmus Inter. Uh, I think that's the official name. Inter uh, Initially it was Inter UI, I think. No, I think now it's just Inter um it's a it's a typeface uh, designed by one of figma's own uh designer rasmus Henderson. and it's a it's a i think it's a it's a great typeface i think that was a big it was a positive move i think it works well i really like it uh i use this typeface myself for a couple of projects uh including the whole like jamstack conf branding that's uh, set in enter um so i think that was good that's a positive move i think it looks better um and it, as a typeface uh, it, it works well you know, for interfaces hence the name um so cool now second thing is like um designers a lot of us really like this aesthetic of like everything is a shade of gray and just make gray on gray on gray on lighter gray on a white background um no visual affordances nothing uh, i don't think that's good ui uh, if people don't know how to use it and if they get confused with it uh, and confused by it i don't think that's good design uh, and we got a ton of backlash from like ios 7 i think they pushed too far in that direction like oh just this one text this one label is a button how would you know well <laughs> context um there's a lot of that happening here like Most, if not all, of the buttons and things you can actually uh, interact with and touch in the UI, like the the inspector, they is just floaty, floating text. And some of them have like a lighter shade of thing. In some two blocks of text, they look exactly the same, (laughs) but one is a control and one is just a label. And how would you know? Context. You're a designer. You get it, Um, right? So there's a lot of that, and that is something that personally I really don't like. And I think it's not just Figma's fault. Like uh, As an industry, a lot of us are going this direction, and it's just something that I personally don't like. So there's a lot of inconsistencies. Like, it, actually, it was on the day that they shipped this new uh, design. Deborah was um, trying to learn Figma. And Figma, I still think, like, Figma is the best tool for new designers, for beginners. You're just starting out, go to Figma. It's an amazing powerful capable tool uh, i think still for free for like individuals um it's amazing i recommend figma for every new designer uh, like don't go spend a hundred bucks or whatever in Sketch. no just use figma it's perfect um and so deborah was uh, she she downloaded figma she was trying she's learning web development and she's amazing at it it's kind of scary um and so like if <laughs> just on the text inspector if you select a text block you see i think by default you see like Roboto regular 14 and these are just floaty text labels around and for someone starting out for a new designer and i mean don't judge but like roboto that means nothing for a lot of people what the hell is a roboto what's a regular like a regular font like even like the regular is a type of weight font weight even font weight is you know can be a new concept for some people this is not very inviting, this is not cool you don 't know what you can click. It looks like a read only mode for the most part um, and like Roboto and regular they 're both controls that will uh, summon a drop down. Uh, one has a little chiffron, a little car- carrot, and the other one doesn 't why <laughs> who kn- who knows um, you know and also the the font size it also prompts a little pop up some anyway it 's not it looks beautiful it looks clean and minimal but i think it's worse now when it comes to usability than it was before and so it looks it looks pretty i think but that's i think that's my take uh, originally i thought i was going to say more about it um but i think i think this is good this is all i have i think <laughs> do you agree or do you think i'm just being old and grumpy
0: yeah no i i completely agree like it's just I was like trying to reread the article for mm-hmm. understanding the motivations behind this, because it seems like, I mean, it's like one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find
1: yeah, that's how I felt. Um,
0: and it's I think it's doubling down on a lot of the original principles behind Figma, the way Figma was designed. So I guess like I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> That it's not like, hey, we changed our mind. Like we we think a good UI is something that has like totally different principles. It's like no, this is more Figma, like being more dramatic in the the way that they were before. Um, so I think this ends up with a UI that I kind of like even less <laughs> than mm-hmm. the old one. Um, I think you hit a lot of the good points. Like there are reasons why <laughs> we have button shapes and we have like even it's like <laughs> i love how like ios went for having like very clear distinctive button shapes to mm-hmm. not having those anymore but you know what they did they still had things like color <laughs> to identify what was being active and figma is like you know what nope <laughs> like mm-hmm. everything's just gonna be gray it just maybe you're gonna have some hover effect on some things um but it's just
1: looking at the inspector and i'm going to put a link actually i'm going to try to change the the, uh, cover uh, art for this section so you just look at your phone or something hopefully Uh, starting from bottom from top to bottom you see at the at the top you have tabs right so it says design prototype and code and design is selected which so makes it uh you know uh, black and then uh, prototype and code has some sort of opacity they're they're gray so from the beginning, you're trying to communicate to your users that, hey, if something is like light gray, that's an inactive state. Not inactive, you know, it's, it's a state. So you can click on it and that will be selected. Then cool. And then you see icons. They're all gray. So none of them is selected, active. I guess I could still fly. That, that could still fly. That, that could work. But then below, you know, you have coordinates. X, Y, W, H. They're all gray. And then the actual value is uh, black. So now gray means that it's a label. Not really a state, so you can't click on next to activate x you know, so it's the same you know in the same part of the app uh, we already have like conflicting signals to what means what right, and of course like i think I still think most people will be able to use it even if they're they're confused that that at the beginning they can probably figure it out, so it's not like people now can't use it but it is a regression in terms of usability, um, and I and I only ask why? Why? What do we gain from it? That it's cleaner. It's not as busy, you want to get out of the way because it's a tool, just focus but on But it's not work. like
0: that's that's what people's complaints about Figma were. <laughs> Nobody was saying, hey, Figma's too busy. Like that's not what yeah. we're complaining about. Um like another thing that is kind of weird I find is where you have design prototype and code, those used to be tabs, they were very flat looking tabs, but they used mm-hmm. to look like tabs. So it was a lot more obvious that okay, this will change the whole panel. In this case now, because they have a hard divider line. Like you have like the design prototype code and then you have the alignment things and then a big Mm. line. It looks like design prototyping code only changes what's at the top, Mm. like in that little container Mm. and not the rest. And oh, by the way, like design has the exact same style as the title of the section before. Like if you look at constraints, this is the exact same pattern, but used completely differently. It's just a lot of there's a lot of these things. And I agree with you that like people will figure it out. But I, I feel like with every one of these little things, it's just like an, ad, an added friction to using mm-hmm. this tool. Like Some other thing that I find weird is in the Layers palette, I have Layers Assets. And then I have, I'm in this file, it says Apps, which is like the mm-hmm. name of the page. And then mm-hmm. I have, below that, I have my Pages. And I ha- below that, I have my Layers. Which, again, not a ton of, <laughs> of hierarchy here, uh, but okay. The, the thing that's weird, though, I can switch between layers and assets. It still says app on the side. And if I click on app, then it jumps me back to layers and open apps. And then this is where I discover, like, oh, this button just, like, expands and collapses the page. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, so disjointed as a UI. Like, I, I have no idea how they arrived to this decision, but it is so strange. Um, so anyways, like I'm not mad about this or anything like, yeah, it doesn't I'm, not really mad. I'm Just disappointed. Much of my feelings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Same thing. That <laughs> is just like, Oh, I, I thought like you could do so much better. <laughs> um, but... And yeah, like I just, i like this kind of cements the idea for me that figma is just designed by people who have fundamentally different priorities and tastes in ui and interaction design that i do uh and it might be fine i'm like, yeah that, that is okay fine with that, right? that it's I, ac- okay. I accept that mm-hmm. i still find it unfortunate because i <laughs> I'd love it if they made the perfect tool for me um but yeah, people will get used to it and will be fine <laughs> um but um but yeah, it made me think of a thread I was in um on Twitter It was kind of unrelated, but talking about how um for years um Kevin Sistrom, like the founder of Instagram, uh took pride in keeping Instagram free of hamburgers, <laughs> so like not having any hamburger icons mm-hmm. um And basically like the idea behind that is that those kind of affordances that basically um, allow you to scale infinitely your UI is actually bad because it doesn't force you to prioritize things um Hmm. and then basically like as soon as uh as he left like instagram added the hamburger button to your profile page (laughs) um so anyways uh matthew Sanders at new on twitter um just replied to me um one of the things he said is like um uh, he was saying like oh this is what happens when you base your decision on data alone you compromise choice and critical decision making mm. and then what he said was people are resourceful they are quite well uh, acquainted with suffering <laughs> and <laughs> i kind of feel like this is sort of what's applying here where people will be like yeah like maybe we'll complain for, about it for a week but then we'll get back to <laughs> just like being acquainted with the the suffering of just having to deal with this kind of Interesting. Uh, in my opinion like suboptimal hierarchy <laughs> is like probably like the most fair way that i can put it mm-hmm. um <laughs> so yeah like it's just a little bit a little bit unfortunate but oh well we'll get used to it oh well
1: i still like Figma i still love them um okay well uh this is getting late ish uh can we can we jump into recommendations yeah sure
0: absolutely let's do it
1: let's do it so I'm really curious about your your recommendation because I, I can see it, uh, no spoilers. But let me start. Uh, my recommendation this week is uh, an app called Card Hop. Uh, they are uh, this is an app made by the folks that brought you Fantastical. So uh, what 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 are the name of the team? Flexibits. Flexibits. There you go. Uh, and so this is not so Card Hop. I think was released on the Mac uh, maybe like a year ago. I don't know. It's been a while. It's not new at all um and i bought it downloaded because it i love the team i love their work uh at the time and then i try to use it but it never really fit into my workflow i think so i stopped using it um and then recently a couple weeks ago uh, they released their ios version and again i want to support their work i think it's good yada yada so i bought it i installed it i think it's it's right now it's one of my favorite ios icons on my home screen right now mm. i think it looks so cute um i mean I, some things about it i don't like it but anyway not perfect but I, I like it um and so then i tried to just let me try to use this again on the mac like let, let me try to make this fit the way i use Contacts, which you know, it's not a regular thing. I'm not adding or editing con- contacts that often, really. Uh but every time I do, it's a pain. Um I do it on my Mac. Sometimes they don't sync cuz sometimes like I add a photo but I don't know if you know this on your contacts app on your Mac. You can add a photo like to the iCloud version or just the Mac version of the same contact or whatever. So sometimes I had like weird sync issues cuz I was just doing adding in uh data like locally and that wouldn't sync of course all that weird stuff there's so also, i try to use
0: yeah like about the contact pictures like there's also a f- uh, file limit uh on the file yeah, size and mm-hmm. then but it won't tell you <laughs> it'll just silently fail <laughs> it'll just mm-hmm. not work um mm-hmm. very fun
1: so um i i tried to bring card hop into the way i use contacts and again it's very sparely. you know it's a, i don't use this often but so I just said, well, this is kind of like Fantastical, so let me use it just like I use Fantastical for calendars. And Fantastical is like, I 90% of the times, I just use the floaty mini window thing. So I have like a keyboard shortcut. will pop up my calendar. I can use um, natural language parser to add, like create events or whatever. I have uh, like links to all the meetings, you know, Google Meet link, URL, whatever. So let me try to use that card hop in that same format. So I set up a keyboard shortcut that will prompt a little pop-up thing on my Mac. And I can just say, like, Mac Cormier, paste paste the number. I can go to his Twitter thing real quick. Copy the image. Cardhop will say, oh, I can see they have an image in your clipboard. Do you want to add this to your content? I'm like, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Done. Syncs to iCloud. It doesn't ask if you want to do this locally or whatever. Sync with iCloud, and that's it. And right now, like, if I even say, I'm going to do this live demo but no one can actually see it and i can add it so it's not live but if i <laughs> i prompt it up and i'm gonna say kevin um space at vernal kick boom it says kevin clark twitter at, at vernal kick and i'm gonna just enter press return and i've added that little thing to your contact boom hmm. and it's super cool uh so in there icon looks cute <laughs> so that's my recommendation uh if you have if you're annoyed at how your computer and your phone deals with contacts, uh try card Hub.
0: So has this replaced, say like the phone
1: app? It's still too early to call it. Uh I'm trying, and so far it it, it has. I don't know if I'm ever gonna go back. So I, I I even at some point I, I I deleted the actual contacts app uh and I just used the phone. <laughs> But I've been using it and it does work better. And I actually do like this. So there's this one thing in where if you open Card Hop and then you just rotate your phone, it will create like this business card type thing of your contact. So if you're trying to send your contact to someone, you can just do that real quick. Like open the app, turn your phone sideways and even has a QR code. So the other person on your phone can just scan that. Actually, I don't know what that will do. Let me try real quick. So if I have a QR code and I'm on my Pixel now and I open the camera. Holy pants. Okay. I don't know what kind of magic happened here. But so I open the camera on my Pixel and I scan the QR code that Cardhub is providing. And it's actually like a contact thing. So my phone, my Pixel just has create new contact with all the info. Oh, so that's pretty cool. cool. That is pretty cool. And then, can, okay, you sh- so
0: can you show it to me? I'll try to scan it from here.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude.
0: I wonder if that'll work upside down. Because I actually meet people pretty often. And people always ask me to like type in my email yeah that's it? that's what i also do oh this opened your contact on ios
1: so it knows already
0: but it's yeah but it's already like filled out because it's your own stuff for real but oh wait but it added things yeah Did it add, it the added address the, the home
1: address and stuff yeah i don't have my new address boom yeah. dude this is pretty cool
0: i wonder if you can control oh, okay i think you can edit it let's see because I'm like, I don't want to share my address with everyone. <laughs> um, anyways, okay, this is
1: cool. And also speaking of innovative UI, Cardhop has pretty cool UI things. Uh, like they have a prominent search bar, but it's not really a search bar. It's almost like a prompt thing. And it's always at the bottom, so above the tab bar. But it's always there. So no matter like if you change the page in the tab bar, the search bar is still there and that acts like just like it does on a mac so you can just it's not just a search bar you can say you know kevin new contact phone number whatever hmm. i'll create the contact for you and stuff uh and that is i think that's that's a pretty cool pattern it's cool all right dude what is your recommendation
0: <laughs> okay so my recommendation this week is john Syracusa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how does that work
0: um be john John syracuse no 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 it's just john syracuse (laughs) um just you should know about this person um you should totally do i'm assuming probably a good portion of our listeners do know about john syracuse but maybe some of them don't and i've just been thinking a lot lately about um either the kind of like the articles or the talks or the people that i feel like have had a huge impact on my life um and in the past like week or so it's been very clear to me that john circus has had a real impact on on me just as a person um mm-hmm. so if you don't know who john circus is um he's a writer and podcaster he used to write the uh End reviews for ars technica he doesn't do that anymore um so he's primarily well he's also a software Developer, I guess, um, as his primary job, but most people just like, kind of know him through his podcasts. Um, mm-hmm. And he used to write this blog called um, Hypercritical and also did this podcast called Hypercritical the same way. Um, and basically, like the sen- center kind of thesis around John Syracuse is that nothing is so perfect that it can't be complained about. Um, and I think that's such a helpful way to look at like a helpful lens to look at the world um and i find that i've like very much internalized that personally that in all the things that even the things that i love (laughs) i can see the things that are wrong with it or that could be improved and that yes
1: i just want to add one thing though because I I do like that that tagline. Uh, I just have one problem with it. But yeah. hey, because nothing can be so perfect. Uh, is that I don't like the word complain. Yeah, because I don't think he complains right. about that's right. stuff. That's right. He he doesn't sound like old grumpy person complaining about stuff. He criticizes in a very healthy way, pretty much everything or every I mean everything that he does. <laughs> which yeah, um, and that is what I love about him. Like he he goes to extra length to, to just try to analyze and like think about everything right uh in a very logical uh in a straightforward way um so so yeah just just want that one little aside
0: yeah that's a, that's a really good point um and i think for me like if i can kind of pinpoint what this is it's this kind of uh optimistic criticism in a sense that it's not send like trying to always be like this is the end of the world this is crazy it's like no like this is why things are and this is why probably this happened but here's why it's also not great (laughs) like um Mm -hmm. and really like looking super deep uh down into like how things are made and like kind of understanding things um i think he also as a person is just like very self-aware um and kind of made me try to become more self-aware about a lot of the things that i that i do um so um i think like his kind of way of looking at the world is something that more designers should kind of take a look at and get inspired by uh because i think this is hopefully what we do like we make the world a little bit better and in order to do that we have to see the things that could be improved um and the reason why i'm talking about it this week or this any other week because i've been following him for a really long time is that there's actually been like two really good podcast episodes that he's came out with um well i, I guess at this point it's like last week um the first one is an episode of atp where they talk about um sort of marzipan apps and potentially uh the future replacement for itunes um and it starts off with like the normal (laughs) kind of like grumpy marco (laughs) talking about (laughs) how things were better in the past um but then it evolves into a really interesting conversation about sort of like the future of uis on like ios computing platforms Um, and I think it's just like a really good and interesting and insightful look at how kind of interfaces are created and what makes a power user interface. Um, so I highly, highly recommend this episode. Obviously we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but to me, like this was, this is like kind of one of the best user interfaces, like crash courses, like one of the best conversations I've heard in a really long time, um, and you know john's not even a, a designer right but he's mm-hmm. just like really good about thinking about these things um even in ways that i maybe sometimes like don't um so that was really interesting and then the second thing he does a, another podcast that's called reconcilable differences where he talks all about um getting a new fridge <laughs> i haven't house. heard of that one this is this, is, this is like a two-hour episode <laughs> Nice. <laughs> that's all about the process of buying a new fridge. And I'm not even all the way done, but this is probably the best podcast episode that I've listened to in a really, really long time. There's just something about it that's so fascinating about seeing the way that he thinks about all yeah. of these things. I so recommend it. And I think it's a good entry point into just John Syracuse as a person. And it just shows to me that. People that are interesting to me, like I could listen to them talk about literally anything and still find it interesting. It just has like this interesting point of view on the world. Um, so, yeah, we'll put a link to both of these episodes. Go check it out. Tell me what you think. Uh, but I'm pretty sure you're not going to regret it.
1: I agree 100%. Uh, I support this message. <laughs> I would also just add the newest ATP episode. I just listened to it this morning. And I'm going to put a link to the exact like timestamp um, in where John Syracuse very effectively sums up the whole situation, um, of course, um, of the scientist uh, Katie Bowman, who was uh, crucial on the uh, being able to for us to get the picture of the black hole uh, and of course, all the internet trolls uh, came, tried to like, I'm not going to try to summarize it, but listen to it, like how he just perfectly uh, is very aware of like both sides, but also the still very clearly why <laughs> one of the side is wrong or like what they're <laughs> missing, right? It's, it's amazing. And it's very short. So I'm going to link to that just one, that, that one part of the, the episode. Nice. All righty, That's it dude we're finishing the recording it's still it's still light out. it's still sunny (laughs) crazy amazing yeah this is so crazy uh dude this is great i love this episode i loved it um i want to give just a couple shout outs before we go uh for the following listeners who reached out to us this past week uh i want to say thanks to dave darns once again you're awesome and i think i'm going to meet dave uh, uh in london for the jamstack conf london uh plug not really I retract that bell. Um, and also, Brian Burge, uh, Alex at Metal Haze, because I don't know his last name. So Al- when I say Alex, I could be talking about a bunch of Alex's. Alexi? Alexa? Alex's? Anyway. And uh, lastly, to Alberto Orsini for uh, reaching out, asking questions, and being awesome. So. Um, that's it for the show if you want to continue the discussion you can get in touch with us and you can then get a shout out next week uh, by tweeting at us we are at layout fm uh, if you want to tweet at us uh, individually i am at rafa Hari and kevin is at vernal kick uh, you can find the show notes uh, links for all this stuff including the twitter links that i just mentioned in our website and our website is layout.fm there you can find like I said, links to everything we mentioned. Uh, you can also find links to every other episode. You can find links to subscribe in your in your favorite podcast, podcatcher, is that what they call it? Podcast app, whatever. <laughs> you can also find uh, more information if you want to sponsor this show. All of that in our website, layout.fm. And lastly, this show is part of the Spec.fm network if you're looking for more shows to listen to uh, go to their website that's spec.fm and our huge thanks to Abstract for uh, sponsoring this week's episode cool good talk job man talk to you next week we did it talk to you <laughs> next week should be arriving very soon oh nice friend mac i want to give him a shout out even though he didn't tweet at us hey mac shout out to mac mac Cormier. i always read that in a french accent i don't know if it is actually pronounced that way well i guess i'll find out (laughs) (laughs) oh no
0: i'm trying to find the time
1: time the batteries of my for my magic mouse just died
0: (laughs) are you gonna harpoon it
1: (laughs) It's that time of year, folks.
0: <laughs> should have recorded that.
1: I am. I did. Oh,
0: I stopped the recording.
1: It's okay. But I still have it. I have you. Yeah, you
0: should do. It.
1: Okay. <laughs> you are uh. pooned. I never heard that before. That was funny.
0: <laughs> that could be another. Oh, I think we have our show title already, but
1: <laughs> yeah, So blue yeti, blue ball. Is that? Yeah. Is that too much, or is that? I think no. That was funny. Okay. <laughs> you were pulling That's funny.